Bootyka, kill them all. Bootyka, kill them all. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I come prepared, Jesse. I have come prepared. I am pumped up. <laughs> My, uh, the, in the original script, it was Bootyka, fuck them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Five that lasted about three days trying to establish when swear words had their origins. And we found going back to the Canterbury Tales. Yeah. That's almost a thousand years. And then beyond that, you know, into Roman times, which which swear words, English, Viking, Latin might have been used then that would have been just the worst possible. Obviously, there's no record of Celt language. Right. They didn't write. So we don't have anything other than what the Romans wrote about them. You know, two sources. Uh, right, right. Uh, Fuck uh, them all would have been just as fun, though. Yeah, I thought it'd be good. But <laughs> Ariel, who's the, the producer, who's uh, Ariel Bleiberg, who's Ehud Bleiberg's son, who's a producer on the film, is a history buff. And he 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 drew the line in the sand and said, we can't do that. It, it, even if it were contemporary, it right. sounds so uh, anachronistic that it'll yeah. pull it out of the movie. But I, I thought it was brilliant. And, I, and and there was a form of fuck used as a swear word, not, not meaning pro, uh, procreation that was right. used 2,000 years ago. That was right. that. And I, I was perfectly happy to use it I mean, <laughs> the, the celts didn't speak english as we know it now there wasn't right. any language as we know it now you know? yeah 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 well <laughs> it still would have been fun if you if, if them the, all made it i appreciate you uh yeah mentioning that has anyone else that has interviewed you about this film had an actual axe show up no they haven't and i felt like going to get the boudicca sword which is in the other room which i probably <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness uh, how, how is it far to get the sword? I'll go get it. Oh, awesome, awesome! Yeah, that's what that's what that's what we're doing. We're having fun here on Fat Samurai Guys channel. Yeah, baby. Yeah, we're gonna see the sword. We're gonna see the actual prop. That's how we do it. Yeah, having fun at a at a dust us off, man. I want I wanted to grab a sword, <laughs> but I couldn't reach them right there. Let's see. Let's check out the sword there. Well, this this. This yeah, that she uses in the film, and this is the uh talk. The uh, you know, oh. the, they're the only props I kept from the movie. It was blowing up there. Can we see it again? Absolutely, and yes. The reason for keeping them was not entirely free driven, right. it was that uh, when we shot in the UK, it was a uh, really, really frantic shoot that was very, very difficult, and I knew that we were missing an immense amount of the film so. I grabbed a hold of actually everything that wasn't wasn't nailed down and brought it back to the US where we did uh, additional pickups in the woods here, which nice, which, nice. just in one of those really rainy California winters. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Topanga Canyon and that sort of area, but when it rains, it looks like Ireland or England. It's not it's right. very only lasted a couple of months and it goes back to being a uh, very California looking, but we shot immense amounts of pickups and fighting in the US. There's there was just no other way to it. So I yeah. bought back. The sword was uh, crafted by a Lithuanian artisan, which I didn't know when I bought it. And it was right at the height of the fighting, uh, and I paid for it and bought it. It bought it in a, in a, you know, uh, and then received word from him after I paid for it that he was he was in I think Donbass or one of those places, and he said it will take a little bit to get out of here because the uh, post office is under fire at the moment. Oh my uh, goodness! Uh, yeah, not Lithuanian uh, and Ukrainian. I'm so sorry. And. Uh, well, it, it actually arrived two days before filming. It was a monstrous endeavor to try and get it and track Man. it. 
I was tracking it up to the day before I arrived, and it said it was still at the post office in the Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Hey, but whatever it, works, brother. Whatever it's right. works. And to me, because uh, uh, Olga is Ukrainian as well, and the sword was Ukrainian, and you know, there's a magical element to the whole thing, and I felt there was a lot of parallels between a uh, a small state fighting a huge, you know, yeah, empire, and you know, so yeah. it's, it's quite interesting. I talked with Olga at length about this. She she is obviously not one in to state anything politically on it, but I know that it, it triggered some sort of recognition with her. But the, the idea for the bronze sword was, you know, the bronze had, you know, gone out of fashion a thousand years before, you know, the bronze age had ended long before AD 61, which is when our film was set. But the whole idea was that the sword came from the past and it was in right. the past and all that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, yeah. after that, but it actually retained this power that had been handed down that sort of found Whitaker. It was sort of, I thought it was rather fun and rather interesting, really. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's all about, having fun. Right. The two, the two yeah. from one that they found that they think think actually may have been Boudicca's or another another queen. It's enormously heavy. You know, where Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah. Like, that would mean you're a slave. And so you wore... <laughs> right. Oh, people, you were no longer a slave. It's sort of like the... Right. Copy that. Whole, <laughs> Origin of the open palm shake, you know, it's to show you have no weapon in your hand or the salute which lifts open your, yeah. thigh, your helmet, you know, showing right. Yeah, well, thanks again for showing those props. This is awesome. <laughs> Exclusive fun. here on the Movie Dojo podcast. We kind of yeah. jumped the gun a little bit, we got excited, but it's that's what it's all about is having fun here. But uh, it's your boy Preston, fat samurai guy, and welcome, welcoming back the legend himself, one of the greatest action directors going today, Jesse V. Johnson. Again, welcome back to the channel. We've had uh. Uh, a lot of fun in the past talking hell half no fury which is one of my favorite movies of that year it came out uh white elephant we, we had a blast talking about that as well but today baby we're talking about Boudica, queen of war and we're gonna get to that but before we get to that what what that's right got the blu-ray copy of one ranger jesse i love this movie man this is legit is it really behind the scenes on that one as well it's worth getting you know yeah yeah and it's got your commentary as well yeah so everybody watching right now all you action thriller crime fans out there uh this is a must this is a must that's right uh i highly recommend you definitely get a lot of information (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I, i i loved it man i really enjoyed it i mean thomas jane killed it uh i mean look at look at him look at look at the legend right there killed it He's and awesome. uh, the gunplay, the action sequences are so good. Uh, I enjoyed this actor in the film as well. I'm going to reach out. Uh, he's tremendous. He's a he's a walking tank, but he's awesome as an actor. He's very careful, very sensitive of, of the portrayal he's putting across, which is surprising because he's such a big, hefty-looking dude. Yes. Very sensitive, and he's very careful with his dialogue and wants to make the character as good as he can. I really enjoyed working with him. I'm going to work with him again. Trying to find nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to reach out to him in the future. I would love to talk talk movies on the show. And Dean uh, did a great job playing the antagonist. Superstar, man. He's going to be fantastic. He just needs the right material, right director. Yeah. Get out and do it. He's, 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 I just, there's something about him that reeks of old Hollywood, you know, great classic pictures from the 60s and 70s. He yeah. just, you know, it, it, it's not a merit-based business. And we've got all these good-looking, sweet kids, you know, boys that yeah. are the sweetest lovely fellas and dean's the real the real thing he was a bare knuckle fighter he was a skateboarder he's a very very skilled actor takes it very very seriously you know really really yeah understands the craft and wants to make it good and 
is the real thing. I, you know, I, I hope, I hope that you know, lightning strikes and somehow the the, the moons align and he gets what he deserves. Hopefully, yeah. I'm involved in it. I'd love to be involved in it, but uh, but for sure, beyond my own personal, you know, yeah. uh, missions, I hope he makes it because he's just really good to work with. And I, I've known him a long time, and I've watched him. I watched him in Warrior, the TV show. Have you seen him on that? Oh, he's so good in Warrior. Yeah, brilliant. Still, yeah. the show. Really, I mean, and everyone's good on that. Uh, yeah. And just, you know, just very good. And his brother's a very talented director as well. And, you know, the two of them are, you know, poised to take over the town. Uh, and I hope they do. I really, really hope they do. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. Dean, uh, I always, when I talk about him, I always bring up a film that not that many people have seen and know about, a film called Corbin Nash. Have you seen that? It's like a smaller, low-budget yeah. vampire action movie. And he was, he was great in that. Passion project. And I... You know, I remember them going through it. They'd call me occasionally if they needed something. I, I don't think I helped out at all as much. You know, they, they managed it all. They had it all, all in control. But yeah. but, yeah, you know, anyone who goes out there and does it, as far as I'm concerned, reserve, yeah. you know, deserves some respect. It's the same in the fight game. Everyone talks about fighting and how they yeah. do that and how they do that and why does. But the guys that have actually been in the ring, that's something else. Those guys are, you know, and the same with making movies. Everyone wants to talk about it, but until you've done it and pulled it off and sold it and made a business of it, you know, or attempted to, yeah, you don't really understand it. And no. those have, and, and my hat is off to them. I, I think they're great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, hey, maybe you can direct them in Corbin Nash, too. Let's go. There we go. Let's go. Do you ever think about doing, like, an action horror film in the future? Uh, I... I'm not especially drawn to it. I saw J.J. Perry, who's a friend of mine. I saw the film he did with Jamie Foxx. A shift, yeah. It was so good, and I don't think I'd be able to do anything nearly as good as that. And it's like I, I, uh, I, I have my my area where I like to live. You know, I love yeah. John Ford, Bud Bodica, Howard Hawks, you know, Man, those movies. And I want to, I, 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 the way I see it, these pictures with that kind of message brought to the forefront, but with bigger action more interesting you know uh, effects and uh, but basically adherent to a particular kind of core mythology is where i see my my, my passion you know that's what brought me to movies nice. and that's where i want to be and to, to to branch off suddenly and do something that's so fantasy based like a horror film or a science fiction film i've done them and it, it yeah. didn't work out and i sat looking in the mirror after going why can't i do it and i'm a good director but why can't i pull this off the way i wanted and i realized you have to you know, those genres deserve directors who love the material. My daughter gotcha. is my, my daughter is a film director. She's making horror oh, movies. And she nice. lives in that genre. She loves these movies. She she knows everything about it. Everyone's in them. She knows the color that the blood should be. She's working at the moment as an effects artist. She did the Lord of the Rings TV show, you know, worked on that in, in the effects department. Wow. Uh, and so she's she's absolutely thorough in everything to do with that genre. And she's the kind of person that should be directing horror movies. Got For me to go there, it would be a paycheck. And and that's the wrong it takes gotcha. too much effort and too much work to make a film. You've got to be you've got to be emotionally invested right. in it. No, that makes that makes total total sense. I've gotta done, have that. Gotta have that passion for that certain type of genre, right? Yeah, I've done, yeah. I've done paycheck gigs, and you look at them, and you're like, "Why did I do that?" And they follow you around. We <laughs> <laughs> won't mention them. Uh, but, <laughs> you know. Well, I'm loving the background you got there. Is that is that the good and the bad and the ugly poster you got in the left there? Well, on the left is the 1971 reissue of the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, which is the year I was born, which is why uh, I like that one particularly because it's one Love of my favorite. It. That's an original. And the one immediately behind me is... Uh, is that Lee Marvin? 
Yeah, that's the Italian uh, uh, full-size poster from nice. uh, the, the first release of Point Blank, which is a John Borman film, which I absolutely adore and love. Uh, well, we're actually, it's funny because uh, me and director Billy Hansen, we're actually going to be reviewing that soon. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. That's awesome. You got a poster I, in the back. I, I love that film so much. If you watch The Debt Collectors Part 2, which is a tiny little film I did with Scott Adkins and Louis Mandalore, the bad guy in that is called Mal Reese. And it's a girl, but in actual fact, John Vernon's character in Point Blank is Mal Reese. I just couldn't help it. It's such yeah. a cool name. <laughs> He's so humble. Tiny little film. We love we love debt collectors too. We love both of them. Yeah. Well, hold on, hold on. We got people watching right now. We got stuntman, filmmaker, actor Colin from the UK. He says, "Hi guys, I'm a huge fan of Jesse and his work. I know he has been asked this a lot, but is there any progress? Perfect timing on Debt Collector Three. Uh, also, what is his environmental with uh, inv uh, with Hellraiser Three? Hellraiser Three. Are you involved with Hellraiser Three? No. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so two questions. The, the first one is debt collector. Uh, probably once a week, someone emails and asks about it. Every you know, uh, yeah. business wise, fan wise, tons and tons of messages on that. It's probably the one that most you know I get the most sort of correspondence over. Uh, I most recently talked with Ahud about that one. I have a script for it, which I've written, which I absolutely love, and we talked about it, but I'm. The, the situation has changed so dramatically from when I was making the first film to where I am now. I know it doesn't seem a vast amount of time, but my budgets have quadrupled. Scott's right. budgets have doubled. Yes. And, and, and consequently, unfortunately, our paychecks are very, very different to what they were when they did the first one. And unfortunately, right. Ahud <laughs> only wants to spend what he spent on the first one and the second one to do the third one, which makes sense, except that yeah. No long, you know, Scott and I's fee eats up that entire budget. Gotcha. So it's, yeah. it's a problematic situation. We could lower it. Uh, but in this business, if you lower your fee, it it, it is instantly the following day broadcast to everyone that is potentially going to employ you that your fee has now dropped. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Really, really creepy, creepy. You know, it happens just like that. Uh, and so as much as I'd like to do it, trying to figure out a financial way of doing it at this point, I mean, you could we could bring in big name actors and put them as the, the Johns, but they're not going to do it. They don't want to work on a little film, you know, simply right. know exactly what's yeah. going on. Uh, and I got, that makes sense. I got such, you. Such a tricky, tricky position. I've Fing, Fingers crossed. You know, fingers crossed. Avengement Part Two, which is similar, maybe a little bit more money, and the, and Savage Dog Part Two has been has been offered to me, and that came with scripts that someone had written, a spec that was uh, given. Uh, the 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 films are there. I was offered the uh, the uh, Excellent Man Part Two. Uh, I turned it down. It didn't make sense for me. It was, I'd already done that film, and you know it, it doesn't make sense to repeat what you've done. The other thing was the Second Debt Collectors was a difficult difficult film to make. It was uh, you know it took something in the region of 25 or 30 rewrites which i was doing so you're not sleeping while you're doing it trying to make it right to fit yeah uh, I made myself very ill on that one they, my stunt coordinator had to take me and put me in take me to hospital because they <laughs> collapsed and it was terribly embarrassing and they had to put saline in me and all that kind of stuff oh my goodness Being, uh to you know to make a little film is very very difficult you take on an awful lot of responsibility as the director and the writer you you know, you're doing props. I was filming in my house and filming on the street outside my house. Everything, you know, 
if you you know the guns were all from my personal armory a blank you know, movie armory and, and and it becomes very very stressful you know it's not it's not it's not a fun endeavor and then yeah. and then you're wondering if the film's going to be any good or not you know and, and right. so it's, it's tricky i love low budget films uh you know for the sort of sheer adventure and exhilaration of doing it all but I really, really love making the bigger budget ones. You know, I just came off a TV show where we had 50 horses with stuntmen and uh, 200 to 300 extras all dressed in, in, in swords and armor in, in Budapest. And it was just, it's so much fun. Wow. And seven yeah. cameras and two uh, techno cranes. And, and this, this is exciting. This is, this is making movies and you, you're out there and it's, it's, it's really, an, you know, how it should be. So, you know, the exhilaration of making a low budget film is fun. But you know it's difficult as well, and it's exactly it's a point where yeah. you just <laughs> you'd maybe rather like to share some of the some of yeah. the responsibility. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you're being tortured, being asked every day about. <laughs> but we fan, us fans, we we love it's both of those films. Day. Not every day. It's about once a week. It's, once a week. Yeah. <laughs> and, and no, don't get me wrong at all. It's not torture. It's one of the most wonderful things in the world. It's like they're getting love letters every day, you know? Right, a, right, right. You know, because yeah. someone's enjoying your work enough that they wish you, you know, they, they would want you to make a, a sequel. Yeah. We should all be so lucky, you know? Right. Yeah, that's sure. Happen. You know, no one asked me to make a sequel of Charlie Valentine or The Butcher or, you know, or The Package, these earlier films. Yeah. And I those ones but they desperately want these these sequels to these these other pictures and that's a and that's a cool thing you know that's a yeah. you know uh as a artist which ultimately or creative let's be less less uh highfalutin about it as a as a creative that's that's exactly what you want uh so the other question he asked was what was my involvement in hellraiser 3 i had no yeah. involvement in hellraiser 3 hellraiser 2 funnily enough was the first set that i ever visited and i worked as a intern the special effects department not the not the special makeup effects the special effects which is fire and sparks and explosions yeah uh, i think it was cliff corbold was doing it i believe i'm not 100 percent sure but it was only two or three days and i was probably 12 or 13 14 something like that completely illegal yeah <laughs> <laughs> i left school at 14 and started working on these things 15 years right. old, really, really after gcse i guess and, wow you know, it was my life. I would cycle to the Pinewood Studios and Nightbreed was the first one I got paid to be on, I think, or getting it right with Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. Uh, Nightbreed, I think, was the first one that I got paid to be on as a PA, you know, you're running around with a walkie-talkie and it was a Clive Barker horror film that was shot in Pinewood for Canada, I think. And then uh, getting it right with John Gielgud and, and, and Dudley, uh, uh, Peter Cook and uh, Lynn Redgrave. It was, you know, running around on that one and, you know, it's a good way of learning. It was, it was, I think yeah. for me and my character, it was better to learn life that way than to have gone to a college where I think I probably would have just drunk myself into a stupor. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> Copy that. Discipline yeah. had hammered in from outside, from an outside source, you know, a, a, a boss, you know, a, a yeah. rock level, you know, a, a, an actual, and, and then the, the knowledge that if you screwed up, your rent wouldn't be paid and you wouldn't eat is, is a much better, def, you know, way to, you know, motivate you when you're young you know than someone telling you you're going to not get a good mark which really wouldn't have worried me an awful lot so it's it i think it i think it, you know i think it was a uh it was a good training ground for me yeah yeah getting getting your getting your feet wet you know the beginning you know so that's really cool uh it's funny because uh last year i had actually uh had the pleasure of interviewing doug bradley <laughs> 
I had fun interviewing him and uh, Ron Smorenberg. And we talked about, uh, we showed his fight scene when he fought Tony John triple threat. And uh, that was fun. And he, uh, he had some fun things to say about you and stuff like that. That's a, that's a really good fight. I think that fight's underrated. In that Ron movie. Smorenberg is terrific. He's a really, really beautiful human being. He'd worked for me on The Fifth Commandment, a film that I directed on Island with Rick Yoon, which had some great martial arts in it. It was it was uh, cut to pieces. Unfortunately, I, I was exited from the project in editorial. <laughs> oh, no. Cut together, you know, ended up looking like someone's acting, you know, terribly uh, self-indulgent acting reel by the end, acting reel by the end of it, which was sad because it had the it had the bare bones to be a really tremendous movie. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't have the knowledge at that point. It was my second film. I didn't have the, 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 the game to be able to talk my way around a person who was equally as uh, hard-nosed as I was. Unfortunately, he was the financier and I was just the employee. So we know how that ended. But uh, but I I did enjoy working with Ron Smorenberg. And when I went back to Thailand to do Triple Threat, we looked him up and brought him in and I gave him a part in that. And he and Dominic Vandenberg, another dear friend of mine who came out and helped on that work together. And I think Because they had a similar background. And uh, I think Ron you know, gave some tips on film fighting to Dominic and helped him. And it was a, uh, it was a good, it was a good experience. And he's, he's a good fight guy. And that, that fight that you're talking about, uh, that where, which ends with the bet with the, yeah. knife, which I also used in, uh, in, uh, the package, by the way, Stone Cold, you know, uses it in one of the fights, yeah. Robbie Dalton, switchblade knuckle duster. Uh, the, the fight, uh, was Tim Mann's work. Really. I've got to say that was his, his choreography. He brought it together. He would show me the previews. I'd make my notes. And then you'd step back and you'd let, you know, and, and those kind of movies, you don't get too involved as a first unit director while right. they're hashing it out and doing it. Yeah. Uh, I was there at the beginning, the first punch. I step away. I go off and do my first unit. Tim would take over. He'd do the fight all the way through to the last punch when I'd kind of drift back. And then I'd pick, pick the, you know, the scene up from the last punch. Uh, I got in and I was watching the end of the fight. And I just remember Ron saying, to Tony Jar, because uh, they couldn't get the the kick to the thigh to look like a hit. It kept looking like a miss. And and I heard one say, Tony, just go ahead and kick me. And before any of us could sort of step in and say, no. <laughs> and Tony kicked him. And I don't know if you know much about Tony Jar, but oh. he's he's a freight train. He's a little guy with intense power from those kicks he's and legit yeah Ron dropped and was out out for good and had it was it was a hospital visit if i remember correctly he was on a stretcher yeah. was, that was the end of the day he was out of there but we'd had that we'd had that already in the fight at the beginning he fought a guy called frankenstein and his name's frankie which is his uh thai nickname they all have they have nicknames so that the, the farangs us us westerners can remember their names and his this big guy's name was frankie because he was enormous and it was the same deal, and they were doing a fight, and, they, and he'd said in Thai, just go ahead and kick me. But again, it was during filming. Of course, they'd done three takes. The cameras are rolling, and at that point, we're all, the people were like, no! <laughs> yeah, and Tony did the kick, and the guy dropped, and it was a hospital visit. Uh, it, it, to, to fully understand it, you have to kind of see it. It doesn't, you know, I try to capture it as much as possible in film, but yeah. it's a whirlwind coming towards you and you feel the, the noise from these kicks as the leg extends and the inside of the leg hits the inside of the pant leg. And it actually sounds like wood against wood. It's a, it's a very strange thing. 
uh, I talked to Scott about it because he did the final fight. And he took me aside and said, good God, I have literally never fought anyone that's as intimidating as Tony Jar. From UFC fighters to real hard cases to gangsters to stuntmen. It's, a, it's an interesting thing. He's quite a, you know, when he walks on set, the set sort of hushes and goes slightly mm -hmm. quiet. So he's there and he moves almost in slow motion until until you start rolling the yeah. cameras. Uh, I would I would I would love to work with him again and Eco as well. The two of them I just I yes. found absolutely amazing to work with. I, I on triple threat I'd shot probably four or five days worth of a backstory to Eco's character. Uh, you know, as a Muslim, because he he he, I talked to him while he was he was rehearsing, and he 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 written me a beautiful letter saying I won't be able to rehearse today because it's Ramadan, and so I'm. I'm I'm off, and, and I didn't realize it was a you know hadn't put it together that it was a practicing Muslim, and so I worked that into his character, and he had a wife, and he had had a situation, a whole backstory, and we shot it, and with some of the most beautiful stuff I've shot, uh, and then the distributor saw it and said, no, this is going to a Chinese audience, and they don't want that in there, they don't like it, we're going to have to reshoot it and take it out, and it was it was really heartbreaking, but it was just the first of many many things to do with Triple Threat and the post production yeah. heartbreaking that was. That was a brutal experience, uh, but yeah, no. So I, I would, I would really want the opportunity to shoot with Eco and Tony again. Both of them yeah. loved it. But yeah, yeah. Ron is wonderful. Ron's a good guy. I'm glad. Oh, I'm yeah. glad. Nice things, nice memories. Yeah, he's he's great. He's been killing it lately with you know in Mayhem and other films. He's been doing so good. But yeah, y'all, y'all, everybody watching right now, spread the word. Eco Uwe's Tony Jaw, Jesse B. Johnson. Let's go. Let's get the band back together, baby. Let's go. Let's, let's do one one more round. There you go. I, I just named your movie. <laughs> one more round. I love it. Yeah. And if you do, you know, if hopefully, fingers crossed, we get a Debt Collectors 3, you still got to use my idea. I don't know if you remember my idea, having the fake movie trailer before the actual movie starts of Louis Mandalore's Ninja film. <laughs> Yeah, we have to shoot that. That would, that would be perfect. You've got to do it. He's amazing. He just seems to be getting fitter and healthier and younger looking as he as he ages. It's crazy. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. Uh, point where he's jumping around, shooting and kicking and fighting. <laughs> but, God, the guy's a, a yeah. machine. Yeah, he is. Uh, but, yeah, but again, for Triple Threat, shout out to Tim Mann. And uh, earlier, you know, mentioning Dominique, Mr. Dominique uh, Vandenberg's name. Shout out to Dominique. I had a, It was a pleasure interviewing him a while back. Uh, but he's also in Boudica, Queen of War. And it was awesome. Every time I see him pop up, I'm like, yeah, there he is. All right. When Dominique appears on screen, you know shit's about to go down. <laughs> his death scene in this film either. Unfortunately, it was second unit went off and shot it, and I didn't like what they did. I wanted him to have the most epic death scene. But this is the problem with making these films where you don't have, you know, you've got, you know, uh, the budget of a, of a, you know, secondhand Fiat car, you know, it just doesn't, it just, it's heartbreaking, you know, but uh, he's, you know, he dies okay. And it's a good little, little beat, but God, I yeah. really, really wanted to give him something special. And that, that was upsetting to me, but uh, the film is Olga's and she, Olga looks wonderful. You know, she looks wonderful in the picture and I think her performance is really, really good. And uh, oh, for sure. For me, and then, it was to show that more than anything else, you know, it was oh, yeah. supposed to be a big action movie. It was supposed to be a, a small movie about this woman who put, is, finds herself in a position that she's thinks she's ill prepared for, but then realizes that she's actually been prepared for it her entire life. You know, which is yeah, you know, I found very 
very interesting. I think we all have a lot more inside our soul than we think is there. Yeah. It's our own demons that keep us keep us back from our yeah. true potential, you know. Well, brother, you made this little small movie big. <laughs> you made this small move small movie big. But really quick, uh, before I play the trailer for everybody watching, uh, Olga is great. She's always amazing. But man, the cast in this oh, is so you. good. Peter Franzen as Wolfgar. He's amazing. A long time. You know, his wife played the lead in The Butcher for me with Eric Roberts. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Marina Bjorklund. She's uh, she's won the Swedish Oscar and all the, you know, the two of them are amazingly well known in, in, in Scandinavia. That's, yeah. You know, They've been breaking in over here with things like Vikings and, and oh, he's so good in Vikings. Yeah. yeah, like he was he was great in the film. I mean, everyone did such a good job. Leo Gregory, Leo Gregory, um, immense in this picture. People think it's easy to play a nasty guy, a bad guy. He's yeah. one of the nicest guys I know, and yet he plays those parts so well. And it's it's like, how do you do this? Because you you're literally. A, a gem of a human being, but but he plays them so well, and he does yeah. much better than I thought it was going to be. It was was written far less effectively than he than he played it. Oh wow, wow, yeah, he killed it. He was great. Lucy Martin was great, and was um, wonderful. They're our friends. We love them, and they're so good. And I just again, like Dean Jagger, I want to see them take over the world. These are the people yes. who should be taking over the world. Lucy's like, she reminds me, I, I work with uh, Angelina Jolie on Beowulf. I work very closely with her. She was, in fact, a lot more uh, uh, with the, you know, attainable to the stunt team on that movie than she was to the rest of the crew, which kind of ticked off everyone, but she enjoyed hanging with the stunt guys, talking about yeah. sword fighting. Uh, and, and I, I, I thought she was tremendous. And Lucy has a lot of that same vibe. I, I want to see someone take her and put her put her in a picture that she's, you know, she's the lead in. And, you know, yeah. and Clive, Clive as well. Clive should have been Bond, you know. These guys are really <laughs> exactly. lucky with the cast. I really did. Yeah. I hope people enjoy them in the picture because, you know, it's, you know, for me, that's what makes a film. Oh, yeah. Clive Standin did a phenomenal job. Another Viking and alumni there. And, uh, man, Nick Moran. <laughs> man, is he is he good or what? So He's so brilliant. I owe him my firstborn. He's made me look good in so many films. Uh, he's in uh, Chief of Station, which is coming up with Aaron Eckhart. He plays a tremendously good uh, former KGB officer. He's, they didn't put him on the poster. You know, they, I don't understand why they don't do that. But anyway, he's... <laughs> He's he's very very good, but I I talked to him midway through Boudicca while we're shooting. I said, you you know you you're doing really good with this, you know Nick. What what's what's going on in your head? Because it's whatever you're doing, it's nothing to do with my direction. It's fabulous. And he said, I'm going to tell you a little story. He's, when they were prepping Gladiator, it was Jude Law. Jude Law didn't want to play opposite this unknown from Australia, so Jude Law backed out as Commodus. And at the last minute, they need to find Commodus, you know, the the, the evil uh, Caesar. Yeah. You know? And and Nick went in for four or five rehearsals with Ridley Scott uh, auditions. I mean, and got you know was 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 thought he had the part basically, knew the part back to front, understood it, played it opposite Russell, all this kind of stuff. And then suddenly the phones went dead, and next thing you know is it's it's Joaquin Phoenix playing it. But he said it left such a kind of blister on him such a such a mark that he brought all of that venom and and ferocity and evil to to you know catus decianus in my boudicca so i was very happy about that yeah he was oh my, my god for poor old nick it was great you know he's, he's one of those characters you just yeah like he's so good at being evil 
we, we, you know, we, we had really a hard time on this one because the light was short, days were, you know, all this kind of blah blah blah. Every every indie film has has, has a tough go of it when they're making it, but we had a, I think it was a page and a half speech he gives to her before she's branded, and it was brutal. And I'm looking at the clock, and we're already supposed to wrap. Uh, and the sun's coming down, and I've got three or four different producers, and now the unit production manager's turned up, and someone else from accounting's turned up, and they're all tapping their watches or their cell phones, looking at me with daggers, and they're about to pull the plug on the, you know, the plugs and the lights and <laughs> the generator. Oh, wow. And on the plug, like, you cannot shut. I said, I haven't even shot the scene yet. You know, it's page and a half. And Nick looked at me, and he kind of winked and said, let's do it. Just do it. Just roll the cameras. I got this. Roll the cameras. He did it in one, the entire scene all of the dialogue, no rehearsal, hadn't seen it before, had no idea what was going to happen. Uh, he's, he said, we're done. The, the plug got pulled. <laughs> Producers are like, sorry, that's it. And I looked at Nick and I said, I'm so sorry, brother. I'm, that's, that's, you know, we can't do any more. And he said, no, no, that's great. I loved it. I gave it everything. <laughs> wow. Wow, and nailed it, nailed it. It's awesome. But but you don't often get the chance to work with people like that, that is cool and kind of know. He's, he's directing pictures as well, really good films. So he understands what you're up against when you're doing this stuff. Your back's up against the wall a lot of the time. And, you know, creativity goes out the window some days and you're simply thinking of the Rubik's Cube of how you can get something done in the minimum amount of time and actually tell the story because the next day you're in another location and you'll never be coming back to that particular location again. So gotcha. it, yeah. it can be terribly... Uh, soul destroying, not even depressing. It's just like, oh my god, I spent ten years. My daughter's middle name is Buduka. You know, I've spent seventeen years with this idea to make this film, and I'm stuck here. And I'm going to, you know, I've got fifteen minutes to get what should be shot in three days. But you can't cry in the corner. You do it. You do what you can. You get it right. done. And you're in and out. And baby, that's that's you know, don't Dude. make excuses. Uh, which yeah. is actually what I'm doing now. So let's stop doing that. And I like your your idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah copy that but yeah phenomenal cast they did such a good job in here but we're, before we play the trailer we got some uh some chat here right. uh, hold on uh Nina says avengement was effing awesome there we go thank yeah. you there I we think go so there we go uh scott atkins is amazing avengement is one of his best films and is so good yes it's, it's it i think it's definitely one of his best films uh i think it's oh, yeah. his best film i do uh, too very very good uh and he's tr terrific in everything he does i think mm -hmm. uh, the boyka pictures he's astounding what he does in those is incredible i think uh he's very good in the debt collector's pictures uh i liked him a lot a lot as mike fallon and avengement as, uh, in uh, accident man i thought he did a uh that was a truly interesting and original character you know mm -hmm. There was, you know, he's more than shown he's capable of being the lead in a huge, huge movie, and I think someone needs to do that soon. And you know, yeah, hopefully, hopefully sure. AJ Perry or Chad Stahelski or one of those guys, they give him a yeah. team where he gets to play the lead and he becomes a household name, and that's that's the end of end of him having to do yeah. low budget. You know, come on, Scott Boyka Five, let's go! <laughs> come on, we can do it. Spread the word, everybody watching Boyka Five. Oh my goodness! But uh, we got some more here. Uh, let's see, um, hello, Fat Summer guy and special guest Jesse loved Bodica. I found it on Netflix UK and loved it. Look at that! You have to go in with an open mind. At the end of the day, it's a story about it's her story with the girls. Uh, I watch it and I get teared up when I see the statue at the end, and you you, you go to that moment. Uh, if you're there for a big scale action movie, 
then that's the wrong, you know, that's, that's, it's probably, there are probably better places to go. But I think the story that the personal story on it is yeah. quite moving. I mean, it's, you know, I'm quite proud of it. It, yeah. it works, it works well. Everyone, everyone can relate to revenge, you know, being wronged, having everything yeah. taken away from them and they want to fight but, back. Everyone yeah. can relate to that. They can, but then also the other, the other, you know, tale, you know, word spoken on revenge, which is the man who sets out on revenge should first dig two graves, mm. one for the person he's after and one for himself. And I think that's an important part of any revenge film. You can't have him walk away into the sunset. Revenge in its essence is a terrible way to live with that heavy burden of needing to kill someone to get your own back. That's, you know, the, that destroys the person who is on the quest of revenge as well. And I think this is, this is the thing that is lost in so many modern pictures that are made by people that adore comic books and adore yeah. you know, mythology. They don't quite look at what really happens to the human soul in these situations. I think it's important, you know, yeah. how important it is, I don't know, but to me it was yeah. important. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a price to pay. Yeah. yeah. Jeff here says JVJ is the man. Oh yes. Thank you, Jeff. And uh <laughs> oh, we got Neenan says there's an an Avengement 2. Uh Jesse, you gotta give me a role in the movie. And I gotta get killed by Scott Atkins. <laughs> I will I will search you down and find you for it. Yes. Scott's pretty tough to do fight scenes with. If you're not used to it, we had a few people come in begging to be in fight scenes with him. And it's yeah. uh, it, you're into the uh furnace when you do that uh i think mike fury came down who's a who's a movie writer wonderful wonderful human being publicist and he had he had done some martial arts and wanted to be in this fight scene and boy oh boy he he had a trial by fire on that one i watched that i felt bad about it i wanted to step in and say if you want you can you can leave but just make it quick i, I run out he just breaks my neck done Thanks, that's it no. <laughs> And he would know, as I would know, if we went back and did an Avengement 2, it would have to raise the ante. We yeah. wouldn't repeat ourselves. It would have to be twice as violent and twice as... Yeah. You know. I love it. And you got me excited already. Good. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it for sure. Um, but uh, let me go here. The package was really good. There we go. Thank you, Colin. Fan of the package. Uh, I still remember watching Pit Fighter back in the day. Probably the first along with special forces that I saw Scott Atkins. Yes, yes. Uh, Jeff says, uh, how can Jesse... Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jesse. Very nice thing to say, Jeff. Thank you. Really good cinematography. I'm very lucky. Jonathan Hall is is fantastic. And then, you know, si uh, Simon uh, in the UK was very good on, on uh, One Ranger. I've been very lucky. Uh, yeah, I was making Pit Fighter. And, you know, I think we had 12 days to make that or something. And... Uh, Isaac Florentine, who's a friend of mine, said, you've got to take a look at this kid, Scott Atkins. And he was in town at the time, no green card, no work permit. I said, oh, come on down, play a part. I wrote, I wrote that part for him. He came to Universal Studios. We were filming on the back lot, which a lot of you, if you don't know, Universal Studios give it away almost free because they're desperate to have films there when the tram comes around, which we, we've learned about. Uh, it's fun, but you have the tram coming by every you know, 40 minutes with people taking photos. But uh, but Scott came out and he did that part. It was a lot of dialogue. And I, I knew I'd work with him again at some point, but it was it was, uh, it was a precipitous uh, introduction. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Neenan says, uh, will there be a German dub of Boudica uh, soon, maybe in the future? I don't yeah. know. I don't know if it, it's come out in Germany, but it's, I guess it's subtitled if you're asking. Uh, but I know it had its German release. I'm surprised they didn't dub it they usually they usually have the choice of that but uh but no i don't know yet sorry 
And most importantly, please keep doing the juicy squibs. There we go. <laughs> I, 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 someone asked me this morning, another interviewer, they, they, they asked about uh, blanks and, and, and fake gunfire. I have no problem with visual effects gunfire. The prob my problem, because they do it so beautifully now, it's very realistic. The gun can shake and the muzzle flash makes sparks and the shell comes out. The problem is not the pyrotechnic for me. The problem is the actor's reaction. And, and most actors, when they shoot the rubber guns or the soft air guns, you know, they don't react in the same way that you would if a real gun were going off in the hand. And the audience who's watching that film is watching the actor for the reaction instinctively, even if they can't put their thumb on what it is that they're, they're looking at. And it doesn't look quite right. And they know something's not quite right. And now they're taken out of the picture. So my problem, as I say, is not with the, the fakery of it. I use the fakes all the time when a flash doesn't go off as big as we want it to or for some reason the, the shutter cuts it out and you just you get the shell case but no flash i'll put a fake one in because they look fantastic but it's the actor reacting that i've had the problem with uh you know making them look like they're in the in the moment and and they are our barometer as the audience we're looking at them for the reaction that we should feel you know you see a person embarrassed you're not embarrassed until you see all the people laughing at him. Each of the cuts of the faces of those guys reacting and laughing is what right. us. And the same with with an explosion going off or a squib, uh, you know. So so the muzzle flashes. I, I, I it's it's a more complex answer. The blood hits. I think they haven't. There's there's not really very much that works the way that a, an actual you know explosive squib with the with the plate and the exploding condom. There's nothing that quite comes close to that in terms of the visual, uh, uh, visceral thrill, you know, impact that you get when you see one of those. Uh, you can amplify it a little bit. You can use clear liquid or dust and you can help that with a little bit of blood uh, visual effects. But it's an interesting thing. It, I, I, I will keep using it when it's practical. When it's not practical, you know. Right. Use the especially if you go to a fight scene between two guys with a pistol, you don't want to use a blank for that, it's unnecessarily dangerous. You know, use a use a squib, uh, uh use a, a visual effects squib, but it's a uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I agree, I think there's there's so much to be said for keeping it as, as practical as possible, uh, in terms of keeping the audience invested in what's going on. You know, if you're going to use visual effects, try not to try not to show that they're visual effects. I've done a few movies where they're not very good, so I, I know you can bring those up but it's you know it's my it's the it, you know my codex is to try and do it as practically as possible first through planning and safely you know choreographing it and then figuring out you know if copy. we can it a little bit with a cg or not yeah. copy that copy that yeah and and there's a lot of bloody squibs and and more in uh one one ranger i love the uh, uh thomas jane's fight in the kitchen in that apartment complex that was a great fight wasn't that good? That was uh, Dan Stiles, who's a very quietly spoken English stunt coordinator who put that together. And I think he did a tremendous job of that. Really, really hard hits. Yeah. And then Ron Olgar, who's my American uh, DP, who uh, second unit DP, who, who came to England, flew himself out to England to work on that one with me, who shot that with Dan. Uh, they did a tremendous job. I love it. I really found it really interesting. Uh, it was obviously all scripted, and we did the previews, and we talked it through. But when they shot that, I shot the first punch, and I'm off doing first unit. I come back as he picks up the bloody knocked-out guy and puts him in the boxes, you know. Uh, so that was – that was I was really excited by that when I saw that. You know, I love the eye being popped and a little bit of blood spraying on the wall. <laughs> 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 
I thought it was great. We worked very, very hard on the sound effects on that one as well. It was a, uh, yeah. that was quite, quite a few days in, in, in the sound place. Uh, and in Boudicca, we used a lot of blood as well. And I, I hopefully that made it through to the English version, I'm, you know, and, and the various different versions. I know they, they cut it out for, you know, they spent a long time cutting all of the violence out for the T for the uh, airplane version. Uh, and I purposely wanted nothing to do with that. I wanted not to have any culpability. So if anyone asked, I could say I had, I had nothing to do with it. That was a, that was the producers. Uh, Cause for me, it just doesn't, it, it, the Boudicca story doesn't work without the blood flowing. Yeah. You know, and oh, there's rivers of blood in Boudicca. Sat satisfied my, uh, my, uh, my, 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 I need that gore, man. Especially in the 1950s, you saw people sword fight, and then they'd hit the one guy, it would go under his arm, and he'd fall down with a groan, and Errol Flynn would carry on fighting. And that's just not what a sword fight is. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. Yeah. You held a sword and looked at it. You've got to hit the other person hard enough to stop him moving. And, a, and a, a big, strong man takes a lot of, you know, you can't, you know, it's very difficult to aim for the heart. You've got to hit him a bunch of times and there's yeah. blood flowing everywhere. Uh, I, I watch stuff of guys being hit with axes and swords in various different third world countries. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really brutal. And I wanted people to feel, you know, it was ugly and nasty and not pleasant. Mm -hmm. Well, this is not John Wick flipping a guy on his back and hitting him three times and quickly shooting him while looking the other way. This is this is an ugly, ugly, ugly business, you know? Yeah. Really horrific. There's no martial arts to it. You can't martial art a guy that's running at you at 17 miles an hour swinging a poleaxe. You know, that's yeah, that goes yeah. out the window. Now you're just trying to spike him, you know? It's, <laughs> I wanted to show that, you know? Uh, yeah. I'll do it again. I'm going to do another one that goes back. We have a great script that... Oh, nice. Piece. I'm a little burnt out at the moment because I went straight from Boudicca to uh, the Pendragon cycle, which is five months of swords and armor and sword horses. Yeah, right, so right. Now I'm going into the I'm going into the desert with a present day detective piece, but uh, but I, I will come back to sword and. Where can we watch that series? Uh, I think it's just Daily Wire. Uh, I'm not entirely okay. sure. That will be probably later. I gotta check. I gotta check that out. Yeah, it was, it was a best selling series of novels that uh i read and you know and i read the script and it was it was a very compelling script there was no no politics in it or anything like that uh it was it was just a very very compelling you know story you know that, that nice that me i had been in spain on a picture that had fallen through and i'd been there nine weeks and i got a call saying you know can you come to uh budapest and talk about directing a tv show uh, i said i can actually be there in a browse <laughs> which is pretty nice. awesome you don't uh, Neenan says Boudicca, it does have a German dub, so they're good. They're yeah, good, yeah. Very good. Very good. Nice, nice. And uh, one last thing, uh, I wanted to talk about One Ranger, and I don't know if anyone else who out there who reviewed the film mentioned this, but I wanted to mention it here. Is y'all know I love action, okay? I'm here for the action, I'm here for the excitement, and I got that in this movie. However, one of the most positive things that stood out to me was uh our leads relationship and how they played off of each other and usually a lot i mean let's be honest a lot of modern day action movies or superhero fl or flicks when you bring in the young buck <laughs> the young buck always shits on the old buck the whole movie and the young buck is always like great at everything and perfect at everything and they just shit on the legacy characters and you see that a lot with the recent action films. And what I loved about this movie is you didn't get that. 
they both had mutual respect for each other both of these characters and they both were there for each other they both actors had great chemistry and i just really enjoyed that a lot uh in this film and i don't know if anyone else is mentioning this but this is a this is a huge positive because usually with movies like this like i said uh they always shit on the old <laughs> the old legacy characters and it's just like you know they're they're perfect in every way they're perfect in every way there's no flaws which isn't the case and you showed that both characters have a have a past both characters have flaws but they work together for the common good and we need more movies like that so she wasn't, right? wasn't she dominic she's oh. so she's yeah. so house you know i really really dug working with i called her for chief of station but she was playing the lead on something already some action film so she's i'm gonna work with her again uh she has she has serious cojones she's in there and just enormously talented uh, we had so many props from this and everyone thinks they can be an actor. Everyone secretly somewhere in their soul thinks I can do that. It's really easy. I just talk in front of the camera. Uh, but you, we did, I did stuff with her where she had a gun, a pair of handcuffs, a knife, uh, a, a foe, just an enormous amount of hand props that she had to sort out whilst doing dialogue. And we've got that awful ticking time of, you know, we've got to get this done relatively soon. We can't, this is not David Lean. We can't wait around till the sun's right, you know? Uh, and she would just be spot on every time. Absolutely dead perfect. And, I, you know, she's done a lot of television. I, I love TV actors because they they have to work in that, you know, that, that furnace every day, you know, that, 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 you know, if you fail, you're out, you know, uh, especially the guys from like EastEnders and these, these, you know, more brutally shot things that shoot quite quickly. Uh, and she was just brilliant, just brilliant. Wasn't afraid of TJ, uh, Thomas Jane, wasn't intimidated by him. Nice. Action, uh, rest of us, looked at it all. She'd been a dancer, so she understood choreography in its essence. It's very similar, dancing. In fact, probably dancing is twice as difficult as act, as fighting, but understood all of that in its essence, worked with the guns, with the blanks, with the effects, and was fearless. Uh, I would absolutely kill to work with her again. Uh, and I, I, I did think that a lot of the relationship that they have in reality, her and TJ, which is a complex one because they've done a TV show together, you know, so it's a love uh put up with i'm not going to say love hate it's a love uh you know put up with kind of thing and she brought that to to this character and i thought it worked very well i i, I would have spent a lot more time on it had i had more time in the yeah. really really milked it because i i too thought it was exciting so i'm glad you noticed that thank you preston that's what it's what i do that's what i do but yeah love the love their relationship uh, the characters they work so well together and uh, that's what it's all about working together but now Let's go ahead. We're going back in time. We're putting the guns down, baby. And now let's go ahead and talk about Boudicca, Queen of War. Forward. What does it mean? Boudicca was a queen of goddess, and some believe she will come again to free us from the Romans. They believe that a woman warrior will somehow be their salvation. They must not find their savior. Fire! 
people asked the gods of the land to provide as a leader, and now they have. Accept me and my men as your loyal servants, my queen. Rome will not recognize you as queen. Hail Nero. I am Boudicca. You are my people. We're in a time of extreme peril. We fight for our freedom. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Fun trailer. That's the first time I've seen the trailer. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's how you do a trailer. Yeah, man. Yeah. Once I SV Johnson making small films big. That's what he's good at. Investment in this emotional investment that it, it's painful to to see this stuff sometimes, you know. And this uh, was it. This is a, a passion project, correct? It certainly was <laughs> for way too long. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was a passion project for a long time. My daughter's middle name is Boudicca. Uh, absolutely, absolutely loved the story. My mother took me to see the uh, statue in, in London uh, when, I was, when I was little, and, and it was a story that affected her. Uh, most English school kids were taught about it. I don't know if they still are, but, you know, when I was a kid back in, the, back in Victorian times, they, they, you know, we were taught about the Boudicca story and, you know, where it came from. It was Bodicea as I was growing up. And, and then somewhere after I left high school, it was changed to Boudicca, which is the Celtic pronunciation, as it was felt that the Roman pronunciation was wrong, you know, to call her by her Roman name, when she yeah. was really very much an English queen, a Celtic queen. And so I rather like the change to Boudicca. It makes it makes a lot of sense. It's it's rather good, as opposed to Bodicea, which is the Roman pronunciation. Right. Can't be go, that. You go to the statue, which was put up in... Victorian times, you'll see it says Bodicea, and then underneath it's re re engraved Boudicca. Copy that, copy that. Um, um, this man, shots like this, so good. Yeah, it's fun stuff, isn't it? So I, I had thought it would never get made. The, the, the problem was, you know, finding a lead actress that could carry that off. Uh, and it wasn't until I did White Elephant and met Olga that I that I realized there was something. There was a chance of making this work, you know, of making it, make it, making it become something, a reality. Uh, also, working with Nina Bergman on on Hell Hath No Fury, I, I just enjoy working with, you know, these powerful female actresses. It's fun, it's great. I enjoy it. I enjoy the collaboration. Uh, you know, it's it's the stories. I was brought up by a single mother, so the stories are, are exciting for me to to watch come together, and uh, uh, you know, unabashedly. Uh, you know, interested in doing those kind of stories. I like it. And so I approached Ol uh, Olga and flew to Paris to sort of pitch her, uh, to call them. I, I drew a lot of the storyboards and costume designs. I drew her face uh, as a queen with the curly hair and the, the silks. And I drew the face with the eyebrows shaved off and the scar and the mad, you know, orange hair and, you know, the, the, the false teeth. And so I, I said, these are the two characters. This is your, this is your, progress you started this beautiful you know 
mother who has her fingers, nails done and her hair done with her daughters, very much like a 21st century Beverly Hills housewife. And this is what she becomes at the end of the movie. This, you know, this this warrior woman who's broken in yeah. every way except for spirit. You know, uh, the teeth are gone, the, the eyebrows, you know, the, the thing that dictates a woman's, you know, look to us in many cases are gone. Uh, you know, she's got mud on her face and, you know, this this is what she comes back as. You know, there's no pretense or care for what she looks like. It's simply this drive to get revenge uh, for her family. Uh, and she she dug that. She liked it. You know, it appealed to her. We talked a little bit about Ukraine. We talked a little bit about how that, but we had our own story. She was very concerned. She said, but I'm not English. I, how can I play this? I said, no, there's no such thing as English when this happened. It was an yeah. island with multiple tribes, perhaps 100 different, you know, over a hundred different tribes that in many cases spoke completely different languages. Some, you know, there was no Celtic language that sounded anything like the English we speak nowadays. I said, that's it's absolutely fine. It's, it's the most international of stories. It's a, it's a small group of people being oppressed by a far larger, better equipped group of people who are greedy and nasty and trying to exploit the smaller one. It could be Vietnam. It could be Ukraine. It could be, you name it. It could, you know, Belgian Congo, it could be anything, you know, this is, mm-hmm. this is, you know, Rhodesia, whatever. This is a this is a story that has is timeless, uh, and I think it's always going to. And then on top of that, you have the personal story of her story, and she dug all of that. She liked it, and she sort of signed on at that point. And you know, then it became a you know a dash to try and find money. You know, uh, it's very very difficult trying to get money for these kind of things. And uh, I was very lucky that Ahud Blyberg, who has financed quite a few of my pictures, stepped up to the plate. You know, he's wonderful. Nice, nice. But yeah, I love shots like this. It's a great shot. That's Chris. He's he's tremendous. I took him with me to Budapest to do Chief of Station. Very, very good actor. Lucinda uh, Thakrat found him, who's the line producer on Boudicca, and recommended him, and, and he's brilliant. I mean, they're just, the Romans are just ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> it's ruthless in this movie, man. Well, if you, if you imagine... I achieved about 5% of how ruthless they really were. That'll give you yeah. some, you know, that'll give you some idea. You know, it would be a, a, a splatter porn horror movie if I showed exactly what, <laughs> you know, and how, how they did it, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Torture, I'm sure. Torture, I'm sure. That's seeds. a great shot right here. This is wonderful. This is Kevin Van Hook, who's uh, one of my dear friends who's helped me out in visual effects uh, for several, several movies. Uh this is something he created. I believe he created it from scratch, which is even better, you know? Wow. We had we had a lot of battles in visual effects. Uh, not not personal battles, but just just trying to make this stuff look as photo real as possible. It's not it's not a simple thing to do without vast sums of money, you know. Uh, you know, things like this that were, you know, you know, that you do your very, very best to make them as photo real as you possibly can. Uh, and it's it's really a process of, you know, he'll deliver one thing. I'll look at it and say, no, we've got to do that. Going backwards and backwards and forwards. And what you end up seeing in the movie may be the iteration of maybe 35 or 40 passes by the poor visual effects artists. So pulling their hair out in frustration at me by this point, you know, and the amount of money we have to spend is getting less and less. And the other 70 or 80 shots in the movie are looming over us as the delivery date draws ever closer. Oh man. And uh, wow. I mean, Lucy right here, this, this scene, this scene right here, after this scene ended, I shouted and pointed at the camp, at the TV. You are my new favorite character. <laughs> yeah, she's she's absolutely terrific. Deserves a spin-off. Yeah, she's so good. 
Carter Mundo is a is a slight play on on you know spellings play on the actual uh, war another warrior who had chosen to fight the Romans. For some reason, there's nothing written on her. She there were no you know the Romans. The only information, the only reason we have Boudicca in our history is because of what Tacitus uh, and the other guy wrote about her, and 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 they were reviews of two different battles and a, a tiny little bit of back history on her. And so we have that information. But Cartamunda, we know existed, but she fought a battle in the north against the Romans, but it wasn't recorded in the same way. Uh, so we don't know anything about her. But I decided to make Lucy's character called Cartamunda and, and yeah. maybe hint, hint that perhaps she had done something prior to this one that was interesting. Cartamunda. There's our hero. He's on yeah. Peaky Blinders. Ne never oh yeah that's another great show I, 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 never heard any good things about nero <laughs> the is you read him there are, there are reevaluations on him you know i didn't want to actually have him play the fiddle while rome burned at the other one if you look closely you can see the harp in the background of the shot <laughs> oh all right i see what you did there nice yeah yeah he, he would often uh just turn up completely naked and we we talked about doing that scene naked and then i just lost my nerve at the last minute so put him in a little toga around his you know, little loincloth but he, he would do that regularly uh have a whole bunch of you know officers hardened soldiers come in and he'd stand naked and give his orders to them and if anyone said anything or did anything then he'd punish them it was sort of like it was just a there's some really wow really stories that we you know we everything in the movie i i researched and put in there you know, it feels it feels contemporary in many ways, and and it's maybe anachronistic, but we worked so so diligently and hard to make it as as spot on as possible. You know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, but yeah, he, he did a great job playing that character because you're just like, oh boy, we get we have a we have an interesting one here. We <laughs> have a very eccentric Caesar we got going on here. Um, was this sequence here supposed to be a little longer? Uh, the, the attack on him, yeah, yeah. There was, uh, they wanted wanted. I I wanted it off camera altogether. Ahud wanted to show, uh, uh, him being killed. Uh, and so we shot it, and then I didn't really like it very much, so I used it as a flashback. <laughs> gotcha. Hey, well, it worked. It worked though. Well, it's okay. It I I it would have been more troops required to kill him. I I didn't think it was adequate of such a such a fantastic warrior to simply have him killed by one guy uh an hour in the back it's no it's okay it's all good o olga's performance was great she's so good she was wonderful is wonderful. and uh, without spoiling anything what you did with her daughters was brilliant <laughs> by the way <laughs> that's the big problem with the Boudicca story and why it has never really worked for me before and i watched probably two or three or four different versions you know that english tv and various different plays and things that and it doesn't work because what happened to them is so explicitly awful and so unfilmable. And it's not entertainment of any level, not even entertainment, you know, as in, you know, living next door to a concentration camp entertainment. It's awful. It's awful yeah. what, what Katas did to the two daughters. And so how do you have that element in your film? How, how, how do you work with that? And that was the big problem. And that's what took me decades or so to try and figure out. And then it and then it popped, and what you see in the film is the result, the resultant way that I felt was the most uh, artistic, you know, the most artistic and the most valid way of showing it that that paid them the respect that they they, I think required. You know, you don't want to show that stuff and 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 
profit off it, you know? Yeah, of course. But but I like at first, at, but yeah, but at first, the way they were speaking to her and all that, the dialogue, I, it, I was kind of like, hmm. <laughs> like, I was like, hmm. I'm thinking, like, I'm like, wait a minute, something, something a little off here. And then once the, the big reveal, you know, happens later, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, That's it's brilliant. you know I I think there's a lot to be said for things like Jaws, you know, where the monster is always is kept off screen until the very end, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because the, the the audience watching will imagine, you know, what's what it looks like, and that's fun. That's fun to do. And in this case, the crime that was committed and what happened, the audience is given time for it to sort of settle, and it becomes and when it is finally revealed what has happened, it's it's a far less of a shock and less horrific than it than it should have been but in many ways it's more profound i hope anyway i hope that's what how it comes across it was how it was planned i hope i didn't screw it up <laughs> no I, like i said i thought it was brilliant uh this this man he's so good he's so good this actor such a wonderful human being as well both of them i went down and stayed at their place in france when we did i did his adr which is he lives in the south of france they have a little farm there with goats and cows and horses and it's it's just beautiful. But the, the crazy thing was they live in the town uh, that Hell Hath No Fury was set in. Oh, wow. It, doesn't, it just is one of those weird things. And I took photos of the signpost and sent it to Nina when I went down to do his sound because I said, you won't believe it, but I'm in Aubania in the south of France, which is exactly where uh, the town with the cemetery in it is where Hell Hath No Fury is set, which is also the town where... Jean de Florette was set, uh, which is one of my favorite sort of French films by Marcel, you know, the, based on the book by Marcel Pugnot. And, and that's the countryside that Peter and his wife live in. So that's a strange little tiny fact that doesn't mean much to anyone, but anyone knows <laughs> those two films. Fun facts with Jesse. Yeah. yeah, fun facts. Yeah, Peter is so good. I mean, he, Peter was stealing every scene he was in in Vikings. God, like every weird. scene he was in, he was stealing scenes. But yeah, I would love to. Oh, like I would love to interview interview you, sir, in the future for sure. Get him on the show. I'm sure he'd love to do. It. Yeah, but yeah, so good. I mean, it's just so it's so heartbreaking already having to deal with uh, you know the, losing her husband, and and now she's forced, you know, kind of like, well, you're queen now, you got to do it. You know, and then and then what happens next is just like oh, here he is. These Nick. these woods were interesting. These are on the grounds of, of a school friend of mine's farm uh, in Suffolk, uh, and it was literally the last place we could find to film. I he, I was staying with him when we were prepping the film because, of course, it's low budget. They didn't have enough money for a hotel, so they're like, "Do you have any friends?" <laughs> Funny enough, I've got an old school friend who has a farm you know outside of Ipswich nice I've stayed at this house he's got this big woods on it and, I, and he said well you can film here if you can't find anything else and after two, you know weeks of scouting trying to find somewhere I drove to North Wales I drove all over England trying to find places that suit that were close enough to you know various different logistical issues not the least of which is getting people put up for the night and getting them all out there we finally shot the majority of it at his farm uh, and one day he walked out with a big box, a wooden, you know, wooden box. He said, these are, by the way, these are a lot of the Roman artifacts I found while plowing the field here. And there were little dolls and, and glass objects and little bits of metal because uh, he's got a metal detector as well. And sure enough, we're 20 miles from Colchester, which is Culloden, which is the first, you know, which is where the temple, uh, you know, of, of Claudius is that was the first major city that she burned on her 
on her sort of revenge streak. So it, there's every possibility that she galloped and was around this neighborhood that we filmed the actual film in, which is pretty interesting. Uh, it was like this little voice saying, treat this story with respect, Jess. This <laughs> is where she, she was, you know, this is where she grew up as well. So do it right. Don't, don't fuck it up. Uh, but that was interesting anyway. So, but it, it is beautifully positioned because Suffolk is on this sort of streak through England, which actually has a little bit of warmth and sun to it. Whereas the rest of England is in rain. We'd be there and we'd have sun, which is, which is one of those beautiful things that sometimes happens on a movie. The movie gets gods smile at you. So we had this, these great sort of, uh, shots with, uh, sun beams coming through the trees and things that you, you know, we were lucky yeah. to have. Otherwise it would have been pitch black in there. Yeah, beautiful. Hey, you got to use what you got. Use what yeah. you got. But Nick, Nick's so good. Nick is tremendous. He's so good in this movie, man. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of scene stealing, and just brutal, just brutal, just tort the torture she had to go through, man. This yeah. character. But look at her now. Look at her now, man. Look at this. That's yeah. it. It's yeah. game over. That's a wrap. Yeah. That's this. Wrap. this this stuff is interesting. You write it in your script and she stands with those soldiers and raises her arm and shouts. And then you get out there, you realize you've got to put this together. It takes just, you know, cause you're cheating. We don't have enough people. So I've got to angle them to the lens. If you imagine yeah. there's two lines coming off from the camera mm -hmm. at five degrees as to what we can see. That's the only place that we put the extras and the background outside of that. We don't care because it's not on camera. So you're, you're basically pushing everyone in. So you literally, if the camera moved one inch to the left, you'd see there was no one there. If it moved one inch to the other side, there's no one there. And you're just desperately always trying to make 12 people look like 100 people. And it's, it, it's enormously challenging. Uh, so one, li one line in the script becomes a whole afternoon of trying to get it together. You know. exactly. Copy that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure That's it was. How, how many days to film the movie was it? 18 days or something. 18 days? Oh, yeah. my goodness. That's impressive. It's like three and a bit weeks, so four weeks or something. You're in and out because it's holidays and things like that. These were shot in Ipswich Town Centre. This is a big old church they have there. And this is on one side of the church. And then the charges were shot on the other side of the church. And uh, it was it was quite fascinating. It was quite interesting. I, I, I walked there. We'd been setting it all up and getting the thing ready. And I walked over there and there's a group, group of hoodlums there doing the, you know, the, in the core notes, you know, the tough guys, English. Right, right. Guys. They, they all look skinny enough. You poked them in their one good eye, they fall over. <laughs> but, but they, you know, they, you know, with their matching tracksuit top and yeah. bottom. And they they said, this is, this is our territory. <laughs> what do you mean? They said, this is, you can't, you can't make your little film here. Sorry, mate. I like, well, we'll be here in about, 10 minutes you can stay and watch if you want you know uh the, nah nah it's not going to work we're not going to let you film here <laughs> and, wow. and almost as he finished his sentence uh about 40 romans and barbarians walked in behind me <laughs> uh and then the police following them and then the crew following them and it was quite an amusing moment seeing these guys expressions as they uh <laughs> shrank into the nearest shadow that they could find and <laughs> The funny thing was, one of them came back. He had a yellow tracksuit, and I recognized him. He stayed the entire night till about 2 in the morning. And he came to me, almost crying in the morning. He said, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. This is absolutely wonderful. Do you mind if I stay in touch with you? Because I, I just want wow. to be you know, which was quite a, quite a transfer from being a heavy that was trying to stop me from coming into his, uh, 
It's dope smoking area. Wow, that that's amazing. That's amazing. Hey, you never know, Jesse. You may have inspired a future filmmaker. If I do, that's a wonderful thing, and I hope. Yeah. I do. Yeah. But with a typical Jesse V. Johnson movie, you're gonna get some good action, baby. That's There's right. Some, some bloodletting in here. I think. Oh yeah, just brutal. Yeah, that's the one, and I quite like that. It's only a clip of it, so it starts with all the fighting, and the steady cam pulls back through all the fighting, and then we pick up the severed head, and we follow the severed head back to where the guys are standing by the by the by the uh, pedestal there. Right. It's quite a fun. I like doing those one. It's you know you set them up, and it's quite exciting. Everyone has to work really really hard to get it. You know, the choreograph it. You know. Yeah. Sort of draw galvanizes a crew and, and cast and stunt people because by this point in the show i think we we're into the fourth week people were just threadbare no one had any sleep and haven't eaten properly and everyone's confused about what kind of film it is they're making you know because they only see their part of it you know it's yeah. rushed and they've all got their own dramas going on as everyone does and you do a shot like that you start early in the afternoon because it was going into the night you spend maybe an hour and a half, two hours rehearsing, 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 putting it together. And you see the team sort of come back together again and everyone enjoys it. Everyone Now now every single person has the burden of responsibility on them to make, because if anyone screws up, we'll have to redo the one again, you know, which includes Olga herself walking in with the severed head. And it's really, it's a really fun thing to do those midway, you know, through the shoot like that, just to pull everyone back together again and, and sort of get yeah. that one team excited about something and it was fun to do that yeah it was great it was a great scene i mean i that kind of stuff i love that stuff especially when <laughs> boudica is just walking around with the head just yeah. walking around you know yeah. <laughs> defeated her enemy is walking around at that point she starts to get a little confused or no she starts to have the seeds of doubt as to what it is that she's doing because right, now she's, right, right, she's right. just lopping heads off and killing and killing and killing and there's a point to which that doesn't make sense to her anymore. She has to refine herself, you know, right. and that was important to me, you know, otherwise you're just the one, you know, this is a person who's given birth to children. She's brought them up. She has it's been in a loving relationship. She, it's not, you know, to, to then become a killer overnight is not believable. There has to be the shred, you know, there has to be the, uh, the embers of the humanity that are still there in your soul that question you as to what you're doing. And she's chopped off another head and throws it. And they're laughing about with it and playing games. Come back to her, and she's not quite so sure mm -hmm. doing is the right thing. And I think that, right. was, that was important for all of us that scene. You know, but anyway, it may may have gone over people's heads. Maybe people just want to see revenge. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, it's fun. It's, it's nice fun to have a little question like that here and there. Yeah. The the back to the sword here. Uh, did you want to add a little bit of that fantasy element with the with the sword? Yes, 100%. And I think the reason for that is I believe 100% in, you know, in the spirit world and strange things going on. We don't know everything. I, my career, if you, I don't deserve what I have. <laughs> I just don't. Stop I'm, it. Stop I, that, Jesse. No, no, no. It's not, it's not false modesty. Uh, I know from whence I come. So there's a there's a angel or whatever you call it or something, my ancestors, uh, the gods someone has steered and kept me out of trouble along the way and, and put good fortune. Now I'm a greedy little bastard. So I've managed to take a hold of everything I can and use it to the best that I take full credit for, but the opportunities that I've been given, the opportunities I've missed as well <laughs> have been presented to me and put in front of, in front of me. And I truly believe that our forces at work that are greater than our own personal, you know, uh, uh, 
story, you know. Uh, and we call it religion now. We call it Christianity or Islam or whatever you'd like to call it. But in those days, those were not. There were other names for it, you know. Uh, and that's what they have. They, they, and I truly believe if you saw something that was questionable, humans are funny. You take it as uh, you know. If, if the other people in the room say, "Yeah, no, this is okay," you know, it's okay. If if you think of a cell phone, if you put four people in it or one person in a room with 20 people in there with cell phones and that person had never seen a cell phone before and those other 20 people are talking on it perfectly, you know, uh, randomly and they put it in their back pocket, that one other person is not going to say anything. He's going, that's an interesting, cool thing. I think I want one of those. He's not going to say, oh, my God, how did that work? How does it let me have a look at it? This is amazing and scream and shout and make a fuss of it. He's just simply going to take it. And I wanted to show that, you know, when she has that moment in the roundhouse, the Cranog, for the first time where she says, give me my sword, I'm going. And the sword flies through the air and lands in her hand because the child has handed it to her. And she leaves. And Peter Franzen says, did, did anyone else see that? And they're like, oh, it happens all the time. Don't worry about it. It's just her. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, because that's the truth of it. That's what people are like. We don't question much. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, if it's yeah. happened to us, I bet if I asked you how a cell phone works, you probably couldn't explain it. But we use it all day long. And we don't care. Yeah, yeah. Magic because we know there's technology that can, well you probably do know actually, but but I don't. <laughs> the, the the fact is we take it we take so much for granted because everyone else is. You know, right, right, is, right. And I think I wanted to show that uh magic was like that for the longest time. People took it for granted. If if the rest of the gang said it's fine, she's got she's got that on her side, that's why we're following. I also wanted to show why they were following her. Mm -hmm. because they believed that she had magic behind her as well now she didn't have magic she she it, it was two these the ghosts of these two kids that were with her you know but but for the, everyone else watching it was magic you know yeah. uh, now what do i believe in what do you believe in it's up to you to yeah. what you take away from the film at the end of the day you know yeah. Uh, yeah but yes absolutely the sword in and of itself carries some kind of a vibe but the magic is in the fact that her belief that her two children are still alive manifests itself in a physical reality, you know? And I think, gotcha. I think gotcha. that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it works for me. Yeah. I was like, oh, you put a little fantasy splice yeah. on there. I like that. That's a great shot. <laughs> Let me go back to that. Look that at was, that. Both of them. Look at that. That's what, that's what's up. Fun. So the trailer is being towed by a car, and I'm on the roof of the out of the sunroof of the car, filming backwards. And so you know that was the that was the actual chariot that was used in uh, Gladiator. Uh, oh, nice! Owned by Steve Dent, who did yeah. ride the horses for that, which is quite fun. So it's uh it has a rig on it that can be pulled by two horses, or then you re you know you take off the rig, you put another rig on, and it goes on the back of a car. So here it's being towed by the car, and we're filming everyone run through the park, which is. Which is quite fun to do. It's really, you know, nice. In that moment, you you get a, a taste of it. But you know, and there's the other side of the church in Ipswich. Uh, same night, by the way. Wow, impressive. That's to, that's uh, Santa Clarita, and I'm one of the archers. I love these the the these shots at night. Yeah, it's it. John is oh. so good at that you know. It's like it's 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 like it's haunting. Yeah, he's become a magician. You know, I learned what he could do with smoke on Hell Hath No Fury. We'd never, you know, we were so up against all of that. Was the COVID film, you know, I, I, we've talked about it before in detail, but there was, you know, there was a lot of issues with 
technical aspects and day going. Yeah. And John had showed me a technique where he puts a smoke wall up. It relies on there not being any any wind, of course. He put a smoke wall up behind the actor, hit it with a lot of light, and it looks like the sky is light and it's nighttime. It's midnight. You know, it's completely black. Uh, and you film the actor. You can do head and shoulder shots. You can't do wide angles, but you can do close ups. Uh, and and it looks almost like daytime. You know, a strange kind of overcast day. And it's saved us so many times. You don't want to do it much, as I say, because the, you know it starts to look a little weird and a little sort of you know stagey. But it's yeah. you know it's magic, and he he yeah. he he's able to do that. And we've we've now done it more times than I care to admit to. But it's a, it's <laughs> a fun technique. But he's hey. smoke. This shot here was very interesting. The, the we had the smoke wall, and I was behind the Roman lines with three cameras. I think we had all you know. And we could hear the the English chanting. And the first time they appeared through that smoke, it made all of the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end. I could never quite get, I could never get it a second time. And I should have filmed the rehearsal. And it was a big learning lesson for me is don't, on these big shots, shoot the damn rehearsals. Don't, don't screw around and wait. Uh, and it was so frustrating because the one that's in the film, the very next one, didn't have the same magic to it. And uh, ah. I wanted to chew my arm off. It's, it's very upsetting. But yeah, you, you've uh, shoot the rehearsals, man, and those big ones. That Can't be bad. Capture something at that moment that's just so... And since then, I have done. And it has been... It, it's, I've, I've come through a few times where it's been... I've, I've thanked I thanked my lucky stars for little moments like this that didn't work. But yeah, yeah. So, it's not as good as it, it looked that first time I saw it. But it looked wow, good. so it actually looked better than this. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Look yeah. at fil filmmaking 101 with Jesse V. Johnson. There you go. Yeah. But then the other thing is maybe it just looked good because I've never seen it before. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, they, they hit good. quite hard. The only other time I saw a good hit like that was I was I, I did the Battle of Stamford Ferry in Lincoln, uh, the Spielberg film. We, we had uh, two weeks to prep for that. We trained 800 stuntmen extras and special ability extras to fight with bayonets. And we had a uh, you know, the Union, who were African-American, and we had the Confederates, who were all obviously Caucasian, white white guys. And we had a scene, uh, we, we, it had been very difficult to find African-American stunt guys that matched uh, Spielberg's list of what he wanted. He wanted skinny Afros. Uh, no one no one looks like they should have worked out. Uh, uh, and, and at the time in L.A., every single African-American Stuntman had bald head and looked, looked extraordinarily muscular. Ripped. And so we couldn't hire anyone. And we went all over the East Coast. There were people from Florida, from Pittsburgh, from Maryland, from, you know, finally got all these guys together that worked for the quota, the description, you know, skinny, Afro, uh, Afro hair, and, you know, and not looking like they've worked out, not looking like models, you know. So we put all these guys together and they're all lined up. And I said, you have to charge the Confederate lines. You know, you come down the hill and hit it hard and knock, you know, they're on the edge of the water. Try and knock them into the water. They're all, they're all linebackers and stunt guys. They're, they're big, big guys and they're ready for you. Hit them hard. Rolling and action. And the first time they ran down, put the brakes on and sort of, sort of tapped them. I'm like, guys, what's going on here? And we went in and we said, look, this is Lincoln for Steven Spielberg. This is a film that you're going to show your grandchildren. And their grandchildren will say, this is the film that, you know, my grandfather was a stuntman in. Hit hard, hit hard. Yeah. Another, no other reason than the fact that you want to show the truth to what this story is and what came before and what came before that. And what, you know, if you're American, what your ancestors went through. Let's do something. 
and we filmed the next take and we rolled on it with four cameras. Oh my God, it was a hit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> guys, Confederates flying up in the air with Confederate hats flying off and rubber guns going, spinning pirouetting into the water. Wow. Guys came down and they're like, was that good? I'm like, that was perfect. And you okay, guys? And the stunt guys, of course, the Confederates like, yeah, that's great. We love this stuff, you know. But it was it was a really good hit, and we had a really good hit in Boudicca that was like that. That reminded me of that, so that's why I bring that strange anecdote to bear. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, you get some good hits. Yeah, in, in Boudicca for well, sure. Sometimes you have to dig deep in these guys because they're not actors; they're stuntmen or they're extras. Right, right, right. Their normal life is is doing something else, and now they're dressed in a barbarian's outfit, charging towards a Roman line. You're like, no, you've got to hit this hard. This is important for my film. You come in here and you you make impact. And I see your face. I see the wanton fury of revenge, every single one of you. And you give them a little speech and you see yeah. a bored kind of guys wondering where the next sandwich or donut is coming from. <laughs> you can see that little fire in their eyes. It doesn't always last very long. Yeah. But you, your, your job as a director, or in many cases, yeah. just as a director is doing it, is to get that going. Nice. When I, when I first started out, it, I was hired predominantly for big extra days as, a, as an assistant director, Shawshank Redemption, Mr. Holland's Opus, which was a school with 200 people in it, and uh, um, How to Make an American Quilt, The Birdcage, where we had all the dancers and big crowds. And I, they'd bring me in to do these big crowd days, which I, I really got a kick out of doing. It was fun to work out the mathematics the night before, how we put them through makeup, hair, wardrobe, to have them set by the specific time. You'd have to don wardrobe with the walkie-talkie hidden inside the coat and get in there and you know and then keep it creative and keep everyone interested you try and give everyone a backstory and it's a it was a beautiful way to learn the craft of directing uh, so it's fun to do those kind of big nice yeah copy that learning as you go improving on your craft sir and you're good at what you do brother that's why that's why we are fans that's why we are here talking about your films years, i might actually have an idea how to do this <laughs> <laughs> You're just winging it. Fuck yeah. it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, uh, I would love to talk to you about movies all day. But this man, that's right, Jesse B. Johnson is an extremely busy man. And uh, we got to let him go. But thank you so much, sir, for coming on, back on the show, hanging out with your boy Preston. Hopefully, uh, you can have Scott Atkins break my neck in a future movie. <laughs> Finger, fingers crossed for Dead Collectors 3. Uh, but really quick before we wrap it up, um, Chief of Station. I mean, I'm excited about this. Aaron Eckhart, Olga's coming back, and we have the amazing Daniel Bernhardt. We got to talk about this in the future, Jesse. When is this supposed yeah, to come out? It's really, really good. I was hired on this one. Uh, went to Budapest, worked with a fantastic team, really good producer, Steve Jones. Uh, great. Uh, it's wonderful to bring Daniel into the mix, who I adore working with, you know, obviously from Hell Hath No Fury as well. Alex Pettifer, who's a absolute superstar and really really brilliant very good in the new guy ritchie movie olga's very strong in this but aaron is the aaron was the big discovery for me and i just love him i want to work with him again i think we are going to work together again he is a phenomenal dedicated disciplined hard-nosed you know professional i just love those those types you know i i, I just love people who love the work you know what i mean yeah enjoy what they're doing want to do a really good job there's not all these other distractions you can see it in their eyes you know something you know it's like how do i do this the best way i possibly can they want you there as a coach but they come with ideas and suggestions yeah. questions and it's yeah. it's brilliant you know he's up early we talked every day to you know half an hour before you know work just to just to get get 
you know, in the groove and he's like a machine. I loved working with very intense. Uh, it's how I like to work. So yeah. Nice. Well, I'm really excited about this. Is it coming out in May maybe? I think so. Yeah. I was, I was a huge fan of, you know, the cold war era as a subject matter for movies. I grew up in that era, you know, uh, school kid, uh, Eastern West Germany and spies and, you know, and all that sort of thing. And I, I, it crest file from Russia with love and, you know, uh, you know, all, you know, all these kind of pictures from the seventies and eighties. And I just love them. And so we snuck a lot of that in there, contemporary film, but yeah. still you, you, the ghosts of the cold war are there. Uh, and it was wonderful shooting in Budapest, wonderful crew, really, really good team. Biggest I've had. It's a great car chase in it, which I'm enormously proud of. Yeah. Uh, in, with a lot of car chases very early in my career. Yeah. So fun to come and do one that was pretty, pretty, pretty fun. You know. Oh, amazing. I can't wait to watch this. I cannot yeah. wait. Jesse, we got to bring you back, brother. When this comes out, we got to bring you back on the show and talk chief of station. That's right. But. That's right. I got the axe back out. The axe is back out, baby. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> thumbnail, baby. Yeah, thumbnail. <laughs> That's right. Y'all know what you need to do. That's right. Check out Boudica. It is on Amazon Prime. Check out One Ranger. Buy the Blu-ray. That's right. And also, uh, I believe One Ranger is also on Tubi to watch for free. But uh, check out Boudica. That's right. Watch it. Check it out on Netflix in the UK and on Amazon Prime. You will not be disappointed. That's right. Action, adventure, tragedy, revenge, and a good old bloody time, baby. That's how we do it. Check out Boudica, Queen of War. And also, hey, follow this, this legend over here. That's right. Check out the link in the description box below. Follow him on Instagram on this filmmaking journey. Support this man. That's right, because he, he represents us. Us action and martial arts movie fans. He represents us. So we got to keep supporting him so he can make even bigger and even better films. That's right. We got to support Jesse. So make sure you follow him. And uh, really quick, thumbs up for Boudica there from Brandon. <laughs> He's giving the thumbs up there. Yes. Uh, oh, martial arts legend is watching. Chucky Curry. He says, thanks for sharing. Hey, we appreciate you. Thanks for watching. That's Thank right. You. That's right. Oh, Tommy M. What's going on, brother? He says, great stuff. Opportunity knocks. We take it. Thanks for sharing, Jesse. Good to see Tommy M. Yeah. Yeah, good to see. So thank all of you guys for watching. We're going to be talking more movies and doing some movie reviews tomorrow at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Join me and director Billy Hansen. More special guests on the podcast next week. And uh, Jesse, don't go anywhere, but I'll see you badasses on the next one. Take care, guys. Thanks, Boudicca! Fuck them all. All right. <laughs> Take care, guys.